applause wasn't for me. If you have your Bibles, I want to uh, invite you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, If you have a pew Bible, it's on page 472. If you have your own Bible, you're on your own. Uh, And I also, while you're turning, I want to draw your attention to the inserts that are in the bulletin. You don't have to turn to those, just look at them later. Um, We showed you the, the promo for uh, starting point. Starting point is a new experience that we have created. Uh, actually, we haven't created it. We borrowed it uh, from another church who created it, um, to where you have an opportunity to come and just kind of walk through what Christianity is all about. Um, so maybe you're new uh, to the church, uh, never been to church before. You got more questions than you do answers. Maybe you went to church when you were little, but you haven't been back in a long time, and you're just now finding yourself coming back with a lot of questions. This, this experience really is not for mature believers or even growing believers. It's for new believers, unbelievers, uh, people with just a load of questions. And there's going to be a sign-up out in the lobby the next two or three weeks. Um, the cost is $20 uh, for the, uh, the conversation guide and the CDs. Couples can share those if they, if they can share nicely. Um, you'll only have to buy one. If you can't share, you'll have to buy two. Um, but uh, I did want to draw your attention to that simply because it is new, and uh, we, we hope that you guys will take advantage of that. Um, also, next Sunday, new adult Sunday school classes will be starting. Uh, that's on the pink insert. Uh, Nine o'clock, the newest class is going to be a kind of a walk through Psalms. Uh, Jacob Baima is going to lead uh, and facilitate that. Uh, you won't want to miss it. Also on the information center right out here, out the middle doors to the left, you'll see a bazillion sign-up sheets uh, because we need a bazillion people to help uh, pull the venison dinner off. So if you are able to help serve, set up, tear down, prepare, uh, I don't even know what all bazillion different sign-up sheets are out there, but if you can help uh, that night, it's the 28th, Setup will be the week prior to that, the Thursday, Friday uh, leading up to the 28th of January. If you can help, just go and sign up, put your name on, and uh, you'll get more information provided to you as to just exactly what that entails. So there's the announcement portion of this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer before we dive into Ecclesiastes. Father, we are thankful that you are a God, <clears throat> that you are a God that we can come to, a God that gives us meaning in life, uh, that, Father, you're a God of second chances. And uh, Father, this morning, there are many here that just need a second chance. As we're looking into a a new year, Father, new possibilities, new opportunities. Lord, would you speak and guide us this morning through your word uh, that we might get a fresh sense of who you are and what you would have for each one of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, maybe it's just because I, uh, I just finished a class, an eight-week class on leadership and motivation, or because there's another basketball season underway, or because there's another brand new full of possibility years in front of us. But it seems to be that I am being drawn to a lot of motivational quotes, Uh, motivational, inspirational sayings are all around. Twitter is full of them. Facebook, they tend to pop up this time of year. Uh, television infomercials are all telling you how to be better, how to, how to uh, better your, your, your physical qualities, your mental qualities. There's just all kinds of motivation and inspiration out there. Here are a few that are floating around the Butler High School boys' locker room, okay? Success isn't achieved by doing 
thousands of things really well. It is achieved by doing a few things really well thousands of times. The harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. You, can, you can't make up for a poor effort today by giving 110% tomorrow. Today matters. Don't be content with being average. Average is as close to the bottom as it is to the top. If you're satisfied with good, you'll never be great. Now, here's a few, just a little quiz. See if you can tell me who said these. I give you the first one's going to be pretty easy. Here's the first one. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. John F. Kennedy. Here's the next one, a little longer. Your time is limited. Don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living the result of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Steve Jobs, two of you, shouted that right out. Very good. Next one. And, and a couple of these, this one and the next one, seem to almost contradict each other. Now, I'm not putting my weight behind any of these, okay? They're just they're ones we found. There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. Colin Powell. Now, here's another one. We've all heard that we have to learn from our mistakes, okay, because Colin Powell just told us that. But I think it's more important to learn from successes. If you learn only from your mistakes, you are inclined to learn only errors. Who said that? I don't expect you to get it. Norman Vincent Peale said that. Some of you are going, who? Okay, now here's for you American history buffs. Here's a couple. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. Thomas Jefferson said that. You were close. Here's the next one. That some achieve great success is proof to all that others can achieve it as well. Now, Abraham Lincoln right there. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Couple more. Success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you are doing, you will be successful. Now, I love golf. <laughs> and if this is true... Albert Schweitzer said this. A couple from the sports world. The will to prepare to win is more important than the will to win. Vince Lombardi. He knows that because I took it off his wall in the office. Here's one you should all know. It is what it is. The standard is the standard. Mike Tomlinson, that's right. That's the, the whole motivation behind the Steelers right there. It is what it is. The standard is the standard. Now, here's one. And you guys don't have this one back there, so I kind of freaked you out a little. <laughs> meaningless, meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Solomon. And we turn there to the book of Ecclesiastes. This is where we find ourselves. 
Those words of the writer of Ecclesiastes probably are not the most motivational or inspiring message. In fact, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's not the most motivational book. It can, also, it can actually lead to depression if you dwell on those things too often. But for an idea of motivation, as we look forward into a new year, this is where we turn. Follow with me as we read Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, every, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing. The ear is fill, its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> what is motivation? Motivation is, is, is what, whether it's an internal or an external drive that, that gives you the drive and the energy to do what you do. Then every one of us is motivated. We're motivated by something. Something motivates us to get up in the morning. So the question I have for you this morning is what is it that gets you up in the morning? What is, is, is it that forces you out from under the warm blanket to put your feet on the cold floor and tackle another day? What drives you? Every one of us, like unique personalities, have unique motivators in life. Now, here's the problem. The writer of Ecclesiastes looked around and from personal experience and the experience of others found that most of life's motivators are meaningless. That they, they end up leaving us empty when all is said and done. Here is some of what he found, and we don't really have time to read all of it. Jake, uh, a year ago, as I was looking back over our notes, Jake Baima took us through in Sunday school uh, about 10 weeks of just walking through Ecclesiastes. Here's what some of what Solomon found as he looked around at the world around him. He said, work is meaningless. Work is meaningless. That thing you get up to every morning and go to for eight hours a day really is kind of meaningless. It's pointless because if you quit going, it would go on. If, if you were to suddenly quit your job, you would be replaced. If I resigned here this morning, by Easter, you'd have someone else standing up here that half of you would like, half of you wouldn't know, half of you would be glad that the old guy left. <laughs> half of you would be sorry the old guy left, but in a matter of three or four years, you wouldn't remember who the old guy was. And I would get to be the new guy somewhere else that half the people liked, half the people were unsure of. We're meaningless. We're all replaceable in what we do. Nature. He said, look at nature. I, I'm going to pursue protecting nature, animal rights. I'm going to go green. Really? That what gets you up in the morning? 
Yes, we have a responsibility to, to care for the environment, but is that really why you get up? Is that the purpose? Because we're told here that the wind blows to the south, turns to the north, sun rises, sun sets, hurries back. It just keeps recycling. The earth is forever. Human life. This is a little touchy subject. Holds no meaning as they simply repeat themselves in monotonous succession and then fall into oblivion. What is the end result of life? Death, and every one of us will face it. That if we just live day to day, day in, day out, we keep doing the same things over and over and again, generation comes, generation goes, the last generation will at some point be forgotten. At some point, people won't remember who I am. My own family, generations down the line, will not remember who Ted Harris was. So is my life meaningless? Well, if I live it that way, day after day, day in, day out, same routine, same stuff. The pursuit of wisdom left Solomon empty. The pursuit of knowledge left him empty. Pleasure, he said, I'll try that. Pleasure, again, meaningless. There's a whole philosophy of life that says pursue pleasure and, and avoid pain. If it feels good, do it. It doesn't work. He tried to pursue the arts, meaningless. He tried to pursue architecture, architecture, amassing wealth, building a huge house unto himself. He got it all done, meaningless. It probably seemed meaningful in the midst of doing it, but when the end came, meaningless. The danger is that, that we find nothing matters and that we give up and quit. And as I said, if you, if you read Ecclesiastes and think about it too long, it can lead to depression. But listen to the conclusion. Turn to the very end. And this is what he found out. Chapter 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. Well, let me just jump to 13. Because he spent 12 chapters explaining everything is meaningless and going into detail as to why each of those things were meaningless. And then he says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So if life is going to matter... If I'm going to get up and my feet are going to hit the floor for a purpose, my purpose is, as Solomon found, to fear God and keep his commandments. To fear God and obey him. Everything else doesn't really matter. Where I go to work doesn't really matter. How I go to work, that might matter. The only thing worth living for is God. The only thing that adds meaning and purpose is God. Everything in our life must be measured in light of the significance that it plays on eternity. That's why I got the, the, the title of today's sermon is Motivated by Eternity. Because everything I do needs to be motivated by the eternal consequences, the eternal impact that it's going to have on my life and somebody else's. That when I get up in the morning and my feet hit the floor, I need to think eternally and be motivated by eternal things. 
As I read through Ecclesiastes in the last couple weeks, four things came to my mind. Four things that really do motivate as we think through this life of fearing God and, and keeping his commandments. Four things that I found. I have found that following God gives you a sense of meaningfulness. And we all need that. This is ultimately what Solomon was looking for. He was looking for a life that meant something, something that would make the joys and the sorrows of life have purpose, something that would make the joys meaningful and the sorrows a little less sorrowful, that I could endure. A sense of meaningfulness is the opportunity to feel, to have passion about something, to be excited to get up in the morning. So many times the details of life, the bills, the deadlines, they all fog our purpose and we lose the ultimate meaning. We lose the ultimate purpose that we get swept up into the details, into the routine. We begin to, begin to focus on the things that do not hold eternal value and we somehow make them the most important things. That is what the author of Ecclesiastes found out. The details left him wanting. A job, there can be some satisfaction for the, uh, the present and a job well done, but for the most part, our jobs are meaningless in the overall scope of eternity. The actual what we do throughout a day. Wealth, that's fleeting. It's a source of worry. You're going to just leave it to someone. Okay, I, I, my, my grand, or Sarah's grandparents always tell us, we're spending your inheritance. I said, good, you go enjoy it. You have fun with it. And usually what they mean by that is we spent something on you. <laughs> they're, they're just, we want to see them enjoy. Because yeah, you're going to leave it. You can amass great wealth in this life. But when you die, someone else is going to get it. And you don't know what they're going to do with it. You don't know how they're going to spend it, if they're going to spend it wisely, and it can be a source of worry. Physical fitness. Everyone's into that craze. I'm reminded that round is a shape. I'm getting into shape. Last couple weeks have helped with that shape. Here's what 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for physical training is of some value. Okay, can't rule it all out. We, we need to take care of our bodies. But godliness has value for, for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You see, physically fit it only has promise for this life. It, has no, it offers us nothing for the life to come. But godliness is what matters. Godliness is the meaningfulness in our life. The only purpose that brings meaning is doing the very thing that God has called us individually to to do. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that every man may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God, that we find purpose in our life that, that God has given us, that the toil, that the things he has asked us to do, that as we live those out, the things that we do for God have eternal significance. They don't end with this life. These are the things that we, we take with us into the eternal life to come. Matthew chapter 6 talks about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. 
that it is we're working for things that are going to matter, that we're living our life and, and that we see treasure not as the things that we can keep, not as the things that we can, wealth that we can amass, but it's the things that we can do that have eternal consequence, eternal impact, significance. Those are the things that we're, we're to lay up where moth and rust do not destroy. And so when our feet hit the floor, our thought should be, what is eternal today? What can I do that is eternal today? Because that's where the meaning and purpose is. So let us rise each morning with a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, motivated to do the things that will affect eternity in others. Today, I have the opportunity to affect eternity. My life matters. A sense of meaningfulness. Only God gives us that. Following God also gives us a sense of choice. Motivation comes from knowing that I get to choose, that I have choices, that I can get up in the morning and I'm going to choose things that, that, that seem right, that seem appropriate. If, I, if you take all choices away from me, I don't really care. If I don't get to choose, if I don't have some say in what's happening, and that's true of all of us. Do you remember the commercial from years back of the Dunkin' Donut guy? What did he say? Time to make the donuts. He's laying in bed. First thing he says when his feet hit the floor is, time to make the donuts. And he says it with about that much enthusiasm. And he heads out the door. And then it's snowing and blowing and it's, Time to make the donuts. You guys aren't enthused about this at all. <laughs> and day after day, it's time to make the donuts. It's time to make the donuts. And how does that commercial end? He opens up the door and says, it's time to make the donuts. And he is walking through the door and said, I made the donuts. Do you sometimes feel like that in life? That you're getting up and you're just doing stuff and it's just the same thing day after day after day? And you really don't have any say in what you do. You don't get to choose what you do. You just have to go do it. Sometimes we have jobs that are like that. And I'm not saying that can't be motivational. That we can still be motivational stuck in those ruts because we have choices. Life is full of choices. God brings choices our way and he expects us to make right choices. <clears throat> as you read through scripture and as I was reading through this week, I was reminded time and time again of all the choices that God gives us. Do you remember the choice that Joshua presented to the nation of Israel? Choose this day whom you will follow. But as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. You get to make that choice every day. Every day God presents you with the choice to follow him or not follow him. And so that when we wake up every morning, we can say, I am choosing this day. I'm going to go to the same job I've had for 150 years that'll still be there 150 years after I'm gone, but I am choosing in the midst of that job, I am choosing to follow God. And I'm going to make this day count because I have a choice. In the garden, Adam and Eve were presented with a choice. Obey, disobey. Eat anything and everything except this one thing or eat this one thing and suffer the consequences. We know they did not choose wisely. And we are all suffering the consequences of bad choices. Every day with God presents a whole new set of choices. And the beauty of it is that God offers grace 
when we don't choose wisely. That we don't have to worry and fret over the choice. There are some choices that, you know, God presents and, and it seems easy and, and some of them seem difficult. And, and sometimes we get immobilized, we get paralyzed because we don't know we've we got to make the right choice. Do you know in doing that, you have chosen not to choose? Life is filled with choices. And God says, I'm presenting you these choices. And if you make the wrong choice, there is grace sufficient to cover you. And we'll make another choice. And so God has presented us with a life of choices. And I hope that we understand the power of choice. That, that I can choose to love or hate. Every day I'm presented with that opportunity. I'm presented to love this person or I'm presented with the choice to hate this person or be indifferent to this poor person. That's almost worse than hating them. No passion, no care whatsoever towards that person. I don't care if you exist or not. Do you realize how many people we go through life with and the, the opportunity to touch for eternity, and we choose not to, we choose to ignore, we choose to walk past. God presenting us with choices. I have the choice to build up or tear down. I have the choice to speak to someone or stay silent. I have the choice to tear apart or the choice to mend. Every day, that chapter three, a time for everything. There's a time for everything, and we get to choose what we do with this time. If I don't have a choice, I don't care. Have you ever met that person? What do you want to do? Monker. Where do you want to go? Monker. Who do you want to invite over? Monker. I'm going to leave. Monker. <laughs> okay, that's a person with no choice. They're not going to make a choice. They don't care, and they annoy you, don't they? Some of you are laughing because that's your spouse. <laughs> we have to care. We have to care. We have to choose. We must not find ourselves going through the motions. Life is not about going through the motions. It is about impacting, making change. Every day, God presents us with opportunities to affect eternity. Now, I confess, I wish I had this down. I said the eight weeks of going through this class, uh, this grad class for, for leadership and motivating, I was the least motivated in those eight weeks to do anything. I don't know if it was a lesson I was learning I don't know if it was just the choice that I was making unwise choices. But I, I, I'll admit to you, I don't have this down. That I wish I could share with you examples of my own life that would, that would light a fire in your own heart and, and send you out ready to go and fired up. Truth is, I'm, I'm a, probably a lot like most of you. There are days when my feet hit the floor and I gotta go make the donuts. And you say, how can that be? You're a pastor. Yep. I got to go create another lesson. Got to go preach New Year's sermon again. You know how many New Year's sermons I've preached? Got to go preach another Christmas. That story never changes. 
Okay? It, it happens to everyone. Every one of us can get into that rut, can get up and, and forget that God has given us choices to impact eternity. Yeah, sometimes life does interfere. You have to go to work. The bills need paid. The grass needs mowed. The garbage needs taken out every Wednesday night. There are times when life presents you with circumstances beyond your control. But your greatest choice is the attitude you exhibit in all circumstances. You get to choose how you react to good or bad. So let us rise each morning with a sense that today will bring us choices, choices that will affect eternity in ourselves and others. Today, I have the opportunity to affect eternity. My life matters. Following God also gives us a sense of competence. Choices without competence is scary. Requires some maturity to, to make some decisions. It's the sense that you are living or performing at a high level. How many of you come home from work at the end of a day or you lay down in bed at the end of the night and you go, I was on. Today, I was on. I achieved at a high level. For most of us, that may be the acceptance rather than the rule. But God is giving us the opportunity that that is the rule that that is normal to lay your head on your pillow at night and go, today, I was on. God did incredible, amazing things, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. It's the sense that you are, are living beyond yourself, that your life is quality. So, so what does God do to enable us to live at a higher standard? What does he provide? How does he give us that competence to live at a higher level, to think at a higher level? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything. No exceptions. Has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We get to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption so that I can lay my head on my pillow at night and go, I was on. Today was a great day. God did incredible things. He's given us the competence. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we learn back from Timothy that godliness is the most important thing because it has its effect in today and in the present day and in the day to come, in the future, in eternal things. Everything we need for godliness, and that's the standard. Godliness, to be like God, to be like Christ. That God did not say, I have given you everything you need for C's, and it is only the overachiever, the super Christian who gets A's, that I've given the general public what you need just to just to get by? No, he said, I, I've given you everything you need for godliness, the highest, most ultimate purpose and standard in life. And I've given you choices to help get you there. And I've given you the competence to make the right choice. Because the source of this knowledge comes to us from 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
a verse so many of you might be familiar with. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That you are thoroughly equipped to do the things God is calling you to do day in and day out to where your life has meaning and purpose and choice. God is giving you the competence you need to make those choices. But I thought the writer... Solomon said that wisdom and knowledge are meaningless. Yes, if you pursue wisdom and knowledge for the sake of wisdom and knowledge, they are meaningless. If you're pursuing Bible knowledge just so that you can quote verses like that, I don't care if you can quote them, can you live them? That's where the godliness comes in. That's where the competence comes in. That's where wisdom and knowledge are beneficial and not meaningful is when they change your life when they transform your life into something that resembles the life of Christ. He's given us everything we need for that. So when your feet hit the floor in the morning, our thoughts should go, should turn to the scripture, not our to-do list. Not, not, I gotta make the donuts. Not what needs to be done and accomplished on the job or in the family. Our thoughts need to turn to Scripture because it is all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, which is what we need in order to make right choices so that our life can be purposeful and meaningful. What nugget of truth does God have for me today that I will need to make the right choices and act competently concerning all that he is going to bring my way? What nugget of truth, what scripture am I going to read this morning that I'm going to be able to apply by noon? Because God knew I needed it, and he's going to give me everything I need for godliness. And then I'm going to have a choice that I have to make this morning that, I'm, that I've got to be competent in. And so I better read so that I have what I need for this day. A sense of competence sometimes means knowing not only what we know, but who we are following. That, that it's not always my call, that I, I'm following Christ. I'm following through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not knowing all the rules, but it is knowing Christ. Living according to his spirit, following him, walking in the spirit, not having all the answers, but knowing who to follow. Andy Stanley in our new starting point experience, let me just quote for you a portion of that. He says that walking according to the Holy Spirit is simply sensitivity and submission to the initial promptings of God's Spirit. That is sensitivity and submission to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's sensitivity to, it's learning to hear that still small voice and then it's acting on, it's responding to, it's following those initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's really what it means to walk in the Spirit. Now just to clear this up, this doesn't mean that you get up in the morning and you sit on the edge of the bed and you go, What's wrong, honey? Nothing. I'm just waiting to get my first instructions for the day. God didn't tell me what to wear yet, so I can't move. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about, and many of you have experienced this, you've just chalked it up to way to go God or an overly active conscience, but this is the Holy Spirit. It's simply going through your day and learning to listen and learning to pay attention to those initial promptings of God's Spirit. It's going through your day and learning to listen. It's learning to pay attention and learning to act immediately on those initial promptings. When you just know this isn't just my fear talking to me, this isn't my past talking to me, this isn't my grandfather's wise old saying talking to me, this is, and again you learn, this is not overnight. 
This is learning to pay attention and then to respond to the initial promptings of God's spirit. And we have to learn as Christians not to get up every morning and say, I'm going to be good. You get up every morning and you say, I'm going to follow. And get up every morning and you say, I'm surrendering. You get up every morning and say, I want to pay attention and then I want to walk with and live according to the spirit. That's competence, to know who you are following. So let's rise each morning with a sense that today we have access to everything we need that will affect eternity in ourselves and others. Today, I have the opportunity to affect eternity. My life matters. And here's the last one, and not the least of these. It could very well be the most important for some of us. That following God not only gives us a sense of meaningfulness and a sense of choice and a sense of of competence, but following God gives us a sense of progress. This is a feeling that we are moving forward, that we really are accomplishing our purpose, that we are making headway, that that we are farther along than we were this time last year. Discouragement comes when we feel we aren't moving forward, when we feel we're just spinning our wheels, that we're not really accomplishing anything. That's why reading Ecclesiastes can be such a downer. It seems nothing is working. So how do we know? If we're going to really have a sense of progress, if God's really going to give us a sense that we are moving forward, we have to take times of reflection. We have to take times where we just sit back and think. Now, Americans are not real good at this. We're not real good at sitting back, and we're not real good at thinking, okay? But we need to stop and take regular time to reflect on our life. Where have I been? Where where have I come from? What is my purpose What is God calling me to do? What are the goals for this next year? What what is God wanting to achieve through me? Where am I moving? What direction am I going in? And this isn't give it a quick little thought over Captain Crunch in the morning. This is time away. You and God. Extended. Maybe you take a Saturday morning and you just head off somewhere. Two, three hours. Every once in a while. I'm not even saying once a year. I'm saying every once in a while. Because we're not real good at thinking, we don't project too far ahead. And so we have a hard time looking too far back. And so we got to keep these times fairly close together. To hear from God as to where we're going and what we're doing. Second Corinthians 13 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. I trust that you will discover as you get away and examine yourself that God has brought you. That when you stand on this January 1st and you look back over the last year, where have you come? How far have you progressed? How how mature are you now versus where you were? How better at making choices are you now than you were a year ago? We watch progress in our kids, do we not? Every grading period. What if we sat down with God and asked him to grade us on our life in the areas that matter? We need to do that maybe every nine weeks, every semester. Think through what is he doing. 
The real question is not where are you on your journey to godliness, but how much farther along are you than last year? What are the next steps? If I'm growing, where do I need to be? This is why some of us need to listen to God about leadership. Whether it's small group leadership, whether it's ministry leadership, starting ministries, where is God moving you? Because if he's moving you in maturity, he's moving you to lead. He's moving you to to accomplish, to start new things, to create things that have never been created before. It's your supernatural next step. God has been preparing you for such a time as this. But if we don't ever ask the questions, we'll miss it. And if we don't ever reflect, we're going to get up and it's time to make the donuts. So let us rise each morning with a sense that today we move forward. Today I have the opportunity to effect eternity. My life matters. So my original question, what makes you get up in the morning? What's your thoughts when your feet hit the floor? How enthused are you about another new day? This morning you have the opportunity to realign your life if you sense that it has wandered off course even a little. That you have the time right now in a few moments to just reflect. Take some more time today and reflect. Am I on course? Today, you have the opportunity to to just do that. Sit back and reflect. This year, you have the opportunity to move forward because you have the opportunity to affect eternity. Your life matters. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you that you are a God of meaning and purpose, that you're a God who has design for each of us, that you know the plans you have for us, to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. Father, I pray that we would each one begin or or continue to tap in to that divine purpose, that we would get a sense of calling upon our life. That, Father, we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt what we are to do with the life that you have given us. That we wake up in the morning excited, energized, enthused to follow, to walk in, to surrender to your Holy Spirit. Father, that you would accomplish great things. Like, no, for me, I cannot do nothing by myself under my own power, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen.